turn to James 5. I'm going to read it. I don't, have, I don't even have James 5, 1 through 5 memorized. So, uh, um, come now, verse five, chapter 5, verse 1. James chapter 5, verse 1. Come now, you rich, you weep and howl for your miseries which are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments have become moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver have rusted. Their rust will be a witness against you and will consume your flesh like fire. It is in the last days that you have stored up treasure. Behold, the, the pay of the laborers who mowed your fields, which has been withheld by you, cries out against you and the outcry of those who did the harvesting and reached the ears of the Sabbath. You have lived luxuriously on the earth and led a life of wanton pleasure. You have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and put to death the righteous man. He does not resist you. James is continuing here his look at the effects of worldliness. All of this is tied together. Again, I've said it, this is one letter. And when we come to this, when we start talking about riches, and we're going to talk about wealth, and we're going to talk about stewarding that today, a couple, a couple things occur, a couple attitudes. I, I've been doing this long enough. I've been on staff at Idlewild this past Tuesday, I think, was 13 years. And here's what I know. A couple things. When, when we start talking about money, couple places people go. They say, oh, church must be struggling. Church must, church must be behind on its bills. The church might. That's not the case. Hear my heart. You guys, this church is tremendously generous. We, we have a building over here that's being renovated, completely paid in a matter of four months, over $280,000. Four months. <laughs> it, 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 this is the beauty of pre teaching through James. I'm not responding to a hurt or a need. Nobody's offended me. No, we're not missing our bills. You know, I, I get a check, God willing, and it has been good. Every two weeks I get a check. I hope that continues. I'm not up here because Karen and I had to fast for the last three weeks. That's not the case. Here's the, here's the other case. We're, we're fine to, to the praise and, of God and, and even what He's doing in all of our hearts. The other thing is this. When we, when we start talking about the rich and stewarding our stuff, here's the other place we go. We, we think it doesn't apply to us because we don't say we're rich. We start thinking of somebody else. We start thinking about the people that are just above where we are, the, where we would like to be. Listen to me. Did you drive your car here this morning? Did you put clothes on your back this morning? Did you sleep with a roof over your head last night? Did, did you eat a meal this morning? Do, do, do you have money to pay for a meal this afternoon? We could stop there and you're better than 99% of the world. 99, not 80%, not 99% of the world. The, the, the poorest in America, the poorest in America are the richest people in all the world. It's true. So I say that to say when we talk about this, I'm not beating anybody up. I'm not here with an agenda. I'm going to deliver the mail. The mail is written. I'm just the mailman. I'm delivering the mail. You don't like what's in the mail? Take it up with the, with the return. Just return it to the sender. But, but I'm just delivering the mail. We're rich. Just like in James' day, we have the same, we battle with the same problems that they are battling with in the letter of James. And all of this boils down to worldly wisdom. It boils down to an attitude. Is, 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 is my stuff God's 
or is it mine? Did, did I do, is it because of me that I have what I have, or is it because of a gracious God who has enabled me to have what I have? Did I earn it, or did God give me the ability to earn it? It's godly wisdom versus worldly wisdom. It's sacrificial mercy versus selfish mercy. James is beating on these two things time and time and time again. Why? Because we need to hear them. James's readers need to hear them, and we need to hear them. The point that James makes here today, and it's on your handout, is this. We must live in the light of the fact that one day God will judge how we have stewarded all that He has given us. One day... We're going to be judged on how we stewarded all that he gave us. There's tons of disagreement over who this, who this is written to in this section. People, I believe wholeheartedly that James is still writing to believers. Listen to me. Believers battle with this as much as non-believers. I don't believe he's, he's blaming other people. I think he's still talking to the people in the church. Regardless, but listen to me. Regardless of who it's written to, believer or non-believer, the truth is this. Both of us battle here. All of us are vulnerable to what James is talking about right here. Both believers and non-believers can be guilty of hoarding our resources to the neglect of those who need them, of, of, of knowing of real needs. And I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about being foolish with your money, discerning and, and, and helping people with real needs. 1 John 3, verse 16 or 17 says, If any of you sees your brother in need and turns in his back on him, how does the love of God abide in you? God doesn't turn his back on the needy. The reality is what we'll see in verse 3 is God says, I'm going to defend the needy. Even where my people do not feed, defend the poor, even where my people don't look out for the poor, and I'm talking about the real poor, the people who are poor because of things that they had nothing to do with, not because they're lazy, not because they refuse to get a job. And, and even here, when we see somebody, we have a tendency to immediately assume we know why they are where they are. There are millions of reasons people are poor. Some of, them, some of them good, valid reasons that they had nothing to do with them. Some of them bad reasons. And, and how do we treat them? What, what do we do with our resources to help those who have needs? And, and, and all of us in here can fall prey to this trap. And, and here's the trap. Here's the trap that the worldly wisdom sets, that this world sets, that possessions that riches, here's the trap that the things of this world sets. Worldly wisdom, selfish wisdom, all those pleasures that James said way back in verse 1 of chapter 4 that wage war on our members, here's what they say. Riches bring happiness and therefore riches should be pursued at all costs. Even eat no matter what it takes, pursue riches because riches are going to make me happy. That's the trap door. James is writing to expose the, the lie. But not only that, we said a few weeks ago, and it's been going on and on, he's also exposing the tomorrow land of worldliness. He's exposing the tomorrow land of greed. He's, he's exposing the tomorrow land of, of just of selfish mercy and not sacrificial mercy. Every single one of us in here battle with this. I, I will tell you... The battle, one of the strongest battles that, that I face and we face in our own family is when is enough enough? I have a responsibility as a father to provide for my family and to make sure 
that there's a responsible manage of our resources, but when is enough enough and then I, and then I serve? And I've got to be careful that worldly wisdom doesn't creep in there because worldly wisdom says just a little bit more is enough. Just a little bit more is enough. And listen to me, I'm with you. I can justify anything that I want to do. That's how deceitful my heart is. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is desperately wicked, deceitful of all else. Who can understand it? I can self-justify anything. And then I lay myself under the word and realize that I'm guilty. Uh, on the front end, hear me. What did, let me just, I want to I I make some of us ease, ease on some of us. What James is not saying here, I, I want us to understand what he's not saying here. James is writing to rich individuals who have succumbed to the temptation of the rich. They have bought the lie. The rich were not rebuked for simply for being wealthy. They were, nor were they instructed to give everything away here. It would be irresponsible for me in some ways to not manage what God has given me well. But, but rather, here's the problem. The, these rich had become arrogant. They had become proud. Their attitude, just like we saw last week, their attitude about their wealth was the problem. It was their misuse, we'll see, of their wealth was the problem. It wasn't simply, your, it's not simply a sin to be rich. God has enabled people the gift to make money. But how do you, do, how do you use that? Do you use it for yourself, to the neglect of others, or do you use that to glorify God and to serve others? He's not saying being rich is a sin. He's saying gaining and using and being wasteful was a sin. How you gain it can be the sin. The, the condemnation here was, was regarding their riches and almost every other text in the Bible. The condemnation was over the misuse of the riches. It wasn't the riches. It was the misuse of the riches. They're warned, look, they're warned in the first few verses, here's the problem. Those riches are going to go away. They're going to all too quickly pass away. You're going to hoard them and they're going to waste away. We saw it earlier in chapter 1, the same thing. He says the brother of humble circumstances to be exalted, the brother of lofty circumstances is going to be humbled. Why? Because it's going to be all taken away. Death, death is a leveler of the playing field. We leave with nothing. Job said, naked I came into this world. Look, we all came in equal. We're all going out equal with zero. Zero. And these, these believers were harboring wrong attitudes regarding their wealth. But not only that, wrong attitudes regarding the impending judgment that was coming their way. He's, James is saying the tomorrow land of your attitude is a strong judgment of God who defends the very ones that you have neglected and even taken advantage of. One day you're going to stand before God and he's going to be their defender and you're going to deal with them and I'm going to deal with them with regards to how I stewarded what I stewarded. You look at verses 2 and 3. Your riches have rotted and your garments have become moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver have rusted. Their rust will be a witness against you and will consume your flesh like fire. It is in the last days that you have stored up your treasure. Listen to me. In the case of every single one of those, the, the, the problem, the wealth that perishes did so because it was hoarded. It was hoarded. Riches had rotted away. Garments, moth-eaten. Here's what I noticed about garments that are worn. They don't get moth-eaten. 
Garments that are ready. You know what? You know what? You know what the, the, the garments that get destroyed are? The ones that are stored up and rarely ever worn. As I thought about this just the other day, I went in my closet just as a look, and I looked at the shirts that I had, and I looked. I thought, you are a moron. How many shirts can one human being wear? How many? How many blue pair of pants do you need, Chris? You know, I don't want to wear the same shirt too often up here. I mean, you might not think it seriously. That's your attitude, Chris? I mean, I have generous parents. We have generous in-laws. We have gener- and I, we get, Christmas happens every year, and guess what? I get stuff. How many shirts do I really wear, though? See, I dare y'all to look in your closet of all your outfits. I got about 100 shirts. I probably wear five of them Reg- with any regularity. With any regularity. It's true for you, too. I mean, I got three pairs of brown shoes. Three. Two of them look exactly alike. That's what's shameful. Two of the pairs are exactly alike. One I wear during one set of brown shoes I wear during the week because I don't ever know what my week's gonna look like, and the other I wear up here because I want to impress y'all. Evidently. I gotta look nicer. The the picture is a stockpile of unused wealth. And he's saying it's worthless. Why? Because of lack of use. Tools that you use, they don't rust. They don't rust. Why? Because you're using them. These, it's talking about a lack of use. You're not using them. The issue that James is addressing, you see it on your handout, is stewardship. It's not the riches of themselves. It's the stewardship. The, reason, the reality is, is that we have a lot because God wants to get glory in how we use that lot. Listen to Matthew 6, 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and their thieves break in and steal. Store up yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He's saying, use it. Look, look, look with me at, at Luke, in Luke 19, the, the parable that Jesus teaches there. Verses 11 and, and following, while they were listening to these things, Jesus went to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem and they supposed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. So he said, a nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. And he re- called ten of his slaves and gave them ten minas and said to them, do business with this until I come back. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned after receiving the kingdom, he ordered that these slaves to whom he had given the money be called so that he might know what business they had done. The first appeared, saying, Master, your minnow was made ten minas more. He said to him, Well done, good slave, because you have been faithful in the little things. You're going to give authority over ten cities. The second came and said, Your minnow was master, has, has made five. And he said to him, you were, you'll be over five cities. Another came saying, here's your mina which I kept in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you because you were an exacting man and, t- and take up what you did not lay down. He goes on to judge that man. Here's the point. What are you doing with what you have? Each one of these men were given different amounts. Each person in here has been given a measure of faith. Each person in here has been given different resources. What are we doing with what we've been given? Not, not arguing over why am I a five and he's a ten because the other guy over here is saying why am I a one and you're a five. Contentment. We're going to get to it. Contentment. Every single one of us are going to be judged for how we stewarded our lives. You can look at 1 
Corinthians 3, and he says that every single one of us are going to be judged based on what we built our lives upon. And Paul is very clear there. Some of us have built on wood, hay, and stubble, and he says it's all going to be burned up. He says, but that man will enter heaven, but as with the smell of smoke on him. Burned up. What are we building with? And this is the, this is the point for us. 1 Timothy chapter 6. You can turn there if you want. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 and following. This is the deal. Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Listen to this. Godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. You see the point? For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. But those who want, listen, this is the point. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, not money, for the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. The desire for riches is what caused the downfall. Even here in chapter 5, Verse 4, why did they withhold the pay of the laborers? Because they wanted to get rich. Why were they robbing the men and the women who had worked for them? Because they wanted to get rich. He says, you have lived luxuriously on the earth and led a life of wanton pleasure. You have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. Verse 3, verse 5, he says, judgment is coming. And the way you're living is you are fattening your life for the slaughter. When judgment comes and God dissects your life and judges your life, you're going to be like the fattened calf. Because of how we steward what we have. And all throughout Scripture, listen to me, here's the, the danger. Scripture is full of warnings that state that the fact that wealth can be an obstacle to discipleship. An obstacle. Obstacle. All throughout Scripture, it's easier for, for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because your wealth will be an obstacle. Your, our wealth is going to compete for our trust. Our wealth is going to compete for our loyalty. Our wealth is going to compete for our affection. It's going to compete for our faith. Hey, as long as I'm not really got to trust in God because I got this stuff over here. That's the competition. It's competing. And it's godly wisdom and worldly wisdom. Godly wisdom says, I have so that I can provide for my family and provide for others. Worldly wisdom says, we're all on our own. It's a dog-eat-dog world. Get what you can, can what you get. Sit on the can and throw away the rest. It's all about me. It's interesting, even in Ephesians 4, 28, Paul says, to the man who steals, steal no longer. Get a job so you can provide for yourself and have something to provide for those in need. Even the thief, Paul says, go get a job. But not just to provide for yourself, to provide for that person in need. Because there's a world out there who's hurting and has needs. And why? But why? The answer is why. Because this reflects God's character. It's all about God's character. 
See, God all throughout the Old Testament made provisions for the poor. Written into the law, he always provided for the poor. Why? Because it was his responsibility to take care of them. They're his people and he's making sure his people take care of his people. It would be like Bradley having millions of dollars and letting Sarah Grace starve to death. You know, you know what you'd say to that? First of all, Bradley, you're foolish. Second of all, you'd say, Chris, what'd you teach Bradley? Aren't you his daddy? See, our behavior and how we take care of one another, listen to me, is a reflection of our Heavenly Father. It's not only a reflection of us, it is a reflection. There's a lot of, there's the world are looking and saying, you know, they're, they're impugning our great God. Because there are the hurting and the starving and all that. Meanwhile, God's people are sitting on the riches that God very well intends to use to take care of his people. It's a reflection of his character. L listen to me. Listen to me. Um, Malachi 3.5. I, I just want to prove my point here so you, so you believe me. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. And I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers and against those who swear, swear falsely. Listen to this. Though you'd say clearly they need to be judged. And God says, I'm not done yet. Listen to this. And against those who oppress the wage earner in his wages and oppress the widow and oppress the orphan and those who turn aside the alien and do not fear me. So those who oppress the orphan and oppress the widow and do not care the, take care of the orphan and do not take care of the widow and do not take care of the alien are put in the same category as murderers and adulterers and sorcerers. Good company. Look, look at Levi, uh, uh, Levi, Leviticus, Levi. That's about the 19 pairs of jeans you got that we don't even need. That's God, that's a Freudian slip. God's convicting me even as I speak to you. It's hard to find a good pair of jeans, but I digress. You know, you find one good pair that you like, you want to buy about three of them because you ain't going to find them again. Leviticus 19.13 You shall not oppress your neighbor nor rob him. The wages of a hired man are not to remain with you at, uh, at uh, The wages of a hired man are not to remain with you all night until morning. That's James. Listen to Deuteronomy. Here, here's, and here's why I believe wholeheartedly God, that James is writing to believers. Deuteronomy 24.15 is almost verbatim what we see in James chapter 5. You shall not oppress a hired servant who is poor and needy, whether he is one of your countrymen or your aliens who is in your land or in your towns. You shall give him his wages on his day before the sun sets, for he is poor and sets his heart on it so that he will not cry out against you to the Lord, and it becomes sin to you. Is that not what James says? That the, the cry of the poor, of the wages you've suppressed, the poor that we... He says, their cry has reached, the, has reached my ears, and I'll defend them. You, we, the worldly wisdom says we can win here on this earth. Let me tell you something. There's judgment coming. And we're not saved based on our, we're not saved based on our wealth. We're not saved on our generosity. Generosity is just simply an expression of those who have been saved. It's an expression of a people who know that their debt, like you see in Matthew 18, was so great it could never be paid and it was forgiven for them. Why would we not then go and forgive others? That's the point. It's stewarding. 
People who hoard their wealth, listen to what James is saying and what the rest of the Old Testament say. People who hoard their wealth are not only demonstrating a false wisdom and false priorities, they are depriving others of their very life. These workers, you see even in the parable of the, of the kingdom where Jesus sends out workers at all different hours, they expected to be paid at the end of the day. Listen to me. These people lived on what they made. It takes a whole new, whole new meaning to Matthew 6. Give us this day our daily bread. They died if they did not have their daily bread. These workers died. They didn't say, oh, okay, you can pay me tomorrow. I'll go, I'll go to my debit account. I'll go to my checking account. No, they starved. Not only they starved, their family starved. That's the point he's making. They have focused on earthly treasure rather than heavenly treasure. And instead of using their wealth to God's glory, they've hoarded it to their own glory. Listen, listen to Ezekiel. I'm going, uh, we're going back to all these books that nobody knows about. Ezekiel 7 19, you can just write that down in your, in your notes. I'm going to keep moving here for the sake of time. Ezekiel 7, 19. They will fling their silver in the streets. This is punishment for, for disobedience and that. They will fling their silver into the streets and their gold will become an abhorrent thing. Their silver and their gold will not be able to deliver them in the day of wrath of the Lord. They cannot satisfy their appetite, nor can they fill their stomachs, for the iniquity has become an occasion of stumbling. You see how wealth competes with our allegiance? It, it competes with our love. Competes with an, it's like another man competing for Karen's affections. It's competing. The love of money competes with our love for God and also our love for God's people and the things of God. James is saying, don't live luxuriously on this earth and hoard your resources. There is a day of judgment coming. Even for believers, we will be judged. That's 1 Corinthians 3 and 4. Listen to me. Even, even, and you say, well, well, you know, go light on this passage. I can't. Here's why. Not only am I going to be judged individually for how I stewarded my life, I'm going to be held responsible for how I stewarded this church. Listen to Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. I can't water down the word. I'm going to be held responsible for that. And if the word, if the word gets in your face, and, and I happen to be the the I happen to be today's donkey that brings you the word, guess what? It's good to hear it. We need to hear it. Because I struggle with it and you struggle with it. And pray in three days, Wednesday morning at 5 a.m., we're meeting at the airport, and 34 of us are going to the Dominican. Here's what I guarantee. Not a single person from little Fisher Hudson all the way up to the oldest person in our group. I'm not going to name them. Not a single one of them are going to come back and wonder if they're rich or not. Not a single person is going to come back and wonder if they're rich. Matter of fact, you're going to come back broken like I come back every time and you're going to wonder how in the world am I living like this when they're living like that? 
How in the world am I pillowing my head at night every night? These are girls who, who it is so hot in the Dominican, they literally sleep on, they have beds, they sleep on the floor because the tile is cooler. So guess what we're going to do? We're going to try to install some fans for them. Just fans. I mean, we're rich. And, and all of us in here, he's saying, live in light of the day of future judgment. Live in the character of our God. Make sure that your attitude reflects the character of your heavenly Father because his heart is for the widow and it's for the orphan and it's for those who go without. And he's saying, Chris Basham, Go take care of them. Take care of them. Even, even here, you know, I, I realize that that parking lot is wet, even here, but I, I, I realize that it's not the best parking scenario. We're working on that, and when that building is renovated, we're going to fix that and all that, but, but I have to give an account for God. Are we going to spend riches so that, so that we can park easier while the rest of the world starves? Is that a good use of money? Is it? I, I realize that the stalls in the bathrooms are a little rusted on the bottom. You know what my flesh wants to do? Replace them. Because you know what my flesh tells me? People aren't going to come back if you don't have the nicest of everything, Chris. They're going to go down the street to another church. You know what godly wisdom tells me? Then go. Because we're going to preach the word. And we're going to do the best of our ability here to align ourselves with the word of God. And if that means we sacrifice... We sacrifice. If that means there's rust on the bottom of our part, I'm not saying we're never going to replace those. <laughs> I'm not saying. We're, we're working on some options. But we're trying to work on the most cost-effective options. Because I'm going to give an account for how I steward. You're going to give an account for how you steward your dollars. I'm going to give an account for how I steward my personal life. I'm also going to have to steward, give an account for how I steward corporately our lives. 2 Corinthians 8 9 says, Consider him. This is where we all have always, always I want to take things back to Christ. Consider him who, though he was rich, became poor for, your, for our sakes, that we would become rich. That's Jesus Christ. Philippians 2 said he humbled himself, taking, even taking on the form of a servant, but even humbled himself unto death. Won't, won't we do that? Won't we do that? See, because here's the challenge. We don't always see ourselves. It's hard to see what I look like and from the outside what the world sees when they look at Chris Basham because I am Chris Basham. I'm inside of Chris Basham. And we're in the church. We are the church. Sometimes it's hard to see what we look like to a world when we're living like this. And I thought all week how to illustrate this, and, and I was reminded this is going to sound silly and corny. So just laugh with me. We'll try to break, make light to a difficult situation. When Lee Stewart's father passed away, uh, we had the privilege of going and being with him. And in Conwell, Arkansas, their, their, their mascot is the Wampus Cat. Anybody know what a Wampus Cat is? Yeah, exactly. He knows what a wampus cat is. Hey, here's the cool thing. If you, if you, if you Wikipedia wampus cat, Cornwell, I mean, Con Conwell High School is listed as one of about the three high schools that were foolish enough to have wampus cat as their mascot. 
Now, here's what a wampus cat is. You don't know the story of the wampus cat. I'm going to tell you. This is what I don't like to do normally, but we're going to do it today to add light to a subject. Because I don't want you leaving here, what was the sermon about, and you talk about a wampus cat instead of James 5, because I'm the wampus cat then. The wampus cat was a beautiful Indian woman. And in their tribe, the men would go on hunting trips, but the women had to stay home. And the, the Indian, this particular Indian woman followed the men out one time for hunting. She put on a cougar. She disguised herself to be a wild animal so that she could prey on the men and listen to what they're doing. Well, guess what? They found out, and the, 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 the magician, uh, the, the, the sorcerer or whatever of that tribe, legend says, that he turned, he says, you want to be a woman and a cat both at the same time? He turned her into a woman and a cat. A wampus cat is a cat with six legs. What is it? Four for running and two for fighting, right? How silly is that? I mean, you look at it, you're like, come on. Are you a cat? Are you a woman? What's it going to be? You know, as I think about that, here's the point. Lacking contentment in her role, lacking contentment in her lane, lacking, lacking the grace to say all that God had given her, all, she, she, she went and pursued somebody else's lane. She tried to be like the world. She tried to be like what she's not. Here's my point. We think that we can pursue things of the world. We think that we can live like the world. We think that we can love wealth and that nobody sees. All the while, people are looking at us saying, is it a cat or is it a woman? They got six legs and... See, we don't see it. But to the world and to others, it's obvious. We cannot run two lanes simultaneously. You can't be a cat and a woman. You, you can't say you love God and love riches at the same time. Jesus was very clear. You're going to love the one and you're going to hate the other. You cannot serve two masters. We cannot love God and the world and the thing, a, a, at the same time. We cannot love the things of this world and the things of God at the same time. 1 John 2.15 was very clear on that. Do not love the things of the world, for the things of the world are opposition to God. For anyone who loves the things of the world, the love of God is not in him, it says. They, they, can't, they don't exist simultaneously. And when we try to do that, you know what, guys? We look silly. We look silly. And unfortunately, the world sees it and we don't. And if we don't, you know, if we don't take anything out of here today, don't be a wampus cat. Don't try to run two lanes at the same time. Don't, don't think you can be, get all the stuff of the world and then claim to... You can't. And don't think you can get away with it because we are going to be judged for how we stewarded all that God has given us. Please hear me. That is what James is saying. There's going to come a day where we're going to stand before a holy God and give an account. And he says that all that stuff that rotted and was moth-eaten and... and the, all the stuff that had rusted. He says it's going to testify against you. It's going to testify against us. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Might God give us the wisdom to know when is enough enough. Might God give us the, the faith to, 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 to empty ourselves on behalf of others. Knowing that ultimately it's God who provides anyway. We're his children. He says the birds of the air, they don't worry about a nest. 
The grass of the field, they don't worry about clothing. Are you not more important than them, is what he says? And I have to ask myself, am I not more important than them? Well, if he takes care of the, the lilies and the birds, will he not take care of me? Romans 8 says, He who did not spare his own son, but freely gave him up to deliver us, will he not also with him freely give us all things? You know what he said? He says, I'm all in. Jesus Christ proves it. Trust him. My, I, I pray that we will be a church that continues to not misuse our riches. That we will use what we have to leverage for the glory of God. That the world around us will see our good works, Matthew 5, and glorify our Father in heaven. That, that our, our riches will not one day testify against us. We cannot fool around with the world and, fool, and, and, and not, if, not expect for it to be devastating consequences for us personally, but also our testimony corporately.